Welcome, Pathfinders, to the Find the Path podcast, actual play of the Mummy's Mask Adventure Path, episode 117. The one where Citra continues to kick... Yeah, where we didn't realize how much danger we were actually in. Oh my <laughs> Hollis god. Knew. Hollis knew. I was going to say so we we, we talked knew. about it between like between the episodes here and figured out that you would have died in another round, right? Yep. Rage. Yeah, if, <laughs> so if I didn't have all the protections, Citra would not be with us today. That is why you burn like a two third level spells and then whatever stone skin is on the one person that you know is going to hit the thing. Yep. It yep. was it was all worth it. <laughs> but yeah, crazy fight. One and a half rounds of, and it's over. But guess what? Yep. It's not an after party. It's time for sure. researching. Oh, yeah. It's it research is. time. Research party. <laughs> Let me push up my glasses here. It's time for us to make a research check. Ba-ba. All right, Poindexters, let's get to this. All right. So at next <laughs> level, I'm research. taking craft construct. Can I make one of those things for us? <laughs> Maybe. Money. Material. Yes. He can lead the charge into battle. We'll just follow in its wake. <laughs> if, if you have the sixty-five thousand gold pieces, also Ooh. you need to be fifteenth level. Oh, okay. Oof. <laughs> Oof. Just a sec had both money and levels. Um, he also had funding by a pharaoh. That's true. That's the money part. <laughs> I gotta go make friends with the Ruby Prince. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, get on that. You probably got to get with mom yeah. and offer first. Be like, hey, lady. Do you have room for a catfish girl in your court? <laughs> hey, buddy. You like my whiskers? <laughs> <laughs> you like waggle them at him. <laughs> He's like, get this weird thing away from me. <laughs> <laughs> Who let this thing in? <laughs> yeah, but before we get into a gender swapped shape of water, let's get back to things. <laughs> oh, gracious. <laughs> gracious. <laughs> Although Guillermo del Toro could definitely direct an episode to find the Oh, heck I yeah. would be fine with that. Uh, yeah. That would be amazing. <laughs> Can only imagine his creature descriptions. Beginning. Yeah, let's get back into things. When last we had left our heroes, everyone's favorite catfolk, Sudi. I'm assuming everyone's favorite catfolk. I don't know if there are any other. The wonderful thing about that is Sudi's the only catfolk in this party, so I'm automatically yeah, that's true. favorite so catfolk. Yeah, automatically true. favorite. Sudi had placed upon his face the mask of Hakatep and had a vision of Hakatep's past. The party had a, a little bit of a, a long discussion breaking down exactly what all of this meant, trying to figure out maybe what the mask is even attempting to tell you. Again, you don't know. And it doesn't matter that we've 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 learned that it's safe and it can influence us and stuff. I still feel icky every time I put it on. Well, it can't magically influence, but it is giving true. us things to influence our opinions. That's fair. After this, the party had decided to continue to make their way to clear out the last room, Chisisek's hidden treasure room, where normally a sarcophagus, a pharaoh or something would have buried themselves after having a false tomb. But instead, just a sec said, you know what? I can't fit a sarcophagus in here and this awesome golem. So the golem gets the room. All my stuff, I'll be please. out here. <laughs> <laughs> he, gave, he put all of his stuff in an apartment and then he lived in a storage facility. Because <laughs> uh, <laughs> my stuff is worth more. Or in his car. The party had then uh, dimension doored in, did a whole fight beat down against this golem. It quickly, It was I think, like six seconds long. Yeah, it yeah. was it was a mad dash of basically Citra buried her blade into it and then the thing started grinding her into paste and then she yeah. just stabbed the living crap out of it. <laughs> but we'll leave that part out when we tell Falto this story later. Yeah, yeah. exactly, right? <laughs> it's kind of like an oh god, oh god, oh god moment. <laughs> uh, following that 
epic fight uh, and the explosion of the golem of the golem which it's in mm. which was razor sharp gears was flying crazy. in every direction that's the thing is that the sad thing is, is with how much damage it does if it drags out for a couple of rounds even if it spreads the damage out to a couple of people the it killing it might still kill half the party <laughs> yeah yeah Oh, yeah. There was a good chance of that. And Narmer took its head as a trophy. I'm so confused about that, but Masika is going to roll with it. He's going to rebuild him. That's his friend. (laughs) I am just curious. This is mostly going to be a question for Masika and Hollis. Which which one of you has the least hit points? What's the lowest hit points? I have 74. I have one less than that. How is that possible? (laughs) Wow. (laughs) I think I took toughness. Hold on. I'm pretty sure you took toughness. I did. I took toughness. You're a very (laughs) tough elf. I'm a tough and rugged elf with my constitution 12. Yeah, so even, even if Masika <laughs> had not been hit in that fight, if I had rolled maximum damage on the explosion and you didn't make your reflex save, it would have reduced you to one hit point because <laughs> maximum damage on wow. it is 72 points of damage. Dang. So there is, a potential for, there is a potential for winning this fight and still TPKing a party. <laughs> wow. I don't Talk know about a that's victory. a victory. I think that's a draw at that point. Yep. I'm I think one. We, yeah, I was going to say, I think it just goes to show that preparation is important. Pep- yep. Preparation pays off. Mm-hmm. We would have died if we'd walked straight into this fight after the other golem yeah. fight. Nap was, yeah, nap no, was sure. key. <laughs> uh, after that, however, you had looted this chamber, had taken we everything had of uh, fiscal permission. value. It's true. Yes, so you make it looted almost sounds like a, a derogatory description. Did, did you take his three dead cats or did no. you leave those? No, we left his no. kitties. That's or, nor, and we also didn't take the people in the little jars either. Okay. The human ashes? Yes. Yeah. Who knows how just took his cool swag. Uh-huh. Yeah. Following that, however, you determined that the chamber was full of documents, scrolls, architectural designs, hieroglyphs covering the surrounding walls. Enough information in here to warrant research checks. Dun, dun, dun. So as I suppose we uh, we start back our five heroes, the doorkeepers and unhawked. Sugar, come here. It's time to do some research. You too, Narmer. But yeah, you stand here surrounded by a uh, collection of tomes and books. It's early in the morning since you basically woke up, <laughs> drank a cup of coffee and fought a golem. So all in a day's ex- work. I've expended a lot of spells for such an early morning. What oh, well. kind of uh, those things that we roll skill checks check. can we use? <laughs> check, we check, check. <laughs> I hope it's knowledge arcana. It's probably knowledge engineering a little bit, so I can be somewhat useful. Masika is so useful at that. I am going to be everyone's little gopher. I'm hey, you go have some arcana too, and friend. And I go for that. That's true. Mine's not nearly as high as yours. Hollis is like, read this. Let it absorb into your brain. I mean, I've come quite a long way, considering the short amount of time that I've known Hollis. I can now dispel with my weapons. That's very cool. You're like part Magus so, at this point. I'm kind of, yeah. yeah. Rogi Magus. First off, unfortunately, uh, these are Chisisek's complex ramblings. <laughs> if there is an organization to this, it is known only to the architect himself. Sugar, as such, need your help. <laughs> as such, there is no knowledge bonus from this library because it is cataloged in such an esoteric way. That's fine. Wonderful. However... You may unravel the mysteries of this library by making either a knowledge arcana, knowledge engineering, or knowledge history check. Masika, what's your knowledge engineering check? Maybe I'll just aid you. 22. 
I ate her with my highest knowledge guess... checks at 19. That's rad. One of my oracle Wait. abilities lets me use my wisdom score instead of my intelligence score, and I have a trait that gives me a bonus <laughs> to knowledge engineering. Dang. Uh, Stacking it up. <laughs> but I have a chicken, so mine's going to be a 21. And Narimura is also going to help me because he can, of course, use my skill ranks. If, All right. If I take 10, I automatically aid Hollis. Okay, hey. so Sudi's helping Masika on an engineering, and Citra is helping Hollis on an arcana. Is that what I'm following? Correct. Yep. And then. And sugar. Then the sugar respective off. familiars are helping their masters. And let me double check this, but. Uh, I think Onhawk's going to be twiddling his thumbs. Unless he has history. Yeah, he might have history. Nope. Uh, he has dungeoneering, geography, and nature. Oh. Yeah, well. Ouch. Well. So, yeah. So this this has nothing to do way. with ranger stuff. He can maybe try organizing the piles? <laughs> For the most part, he'll just help you guys by going around and digging the uh, the shrapnel that shredded through the books out of some of these books because you did just explode a golem in here. Yeah. So, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> You're just sitting there going, it's like, huh, well... That's unfortunate. Lots of uh, mending spells being cast. (laughs) So all of you settle in, make yourselves comfortable, begin to dig through these. And uh, I will need our knowledge checks from, I believe, the two people that are not just aiding the others. Ooh, that was a bad roll. I rolled a five for a 28. Uh, I roll a 16, which with Sudi and Narmer aiding me gets me a 42. Very nice. (laughs) Good gracious. (laughs) That's not even criticaling. This is what Masika loves. <laughs> I rolled a five. <laughs> That's so sad. Sometimes it'd be like that. Sometimes you critical the library. <laughs> sometimes the library criticals you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, you find the mimic book and it bites you. Ow! You gotta watch out for those librarians. <laughs> sure. Mm-hmm. Ross, what are you doing here? Do not attempt to <laughs> climb, a, uh, climb a tree to escape the librarians. There are no trees in the library. Is that Nightvale? Yes, in the time it takes you to realize that there are no trees, the librarian will get you. (laughs) All right, so uh, riddle me this, Hollis and Masika. Do, I know you guys are 10th level. Do each of you have 10 ranks in the skills and skill in what you're using? Yes. All right, so both of you succeed. Yay. Hollis, I will need you to roll a d12 plus your intelligence modifier plus one. Mm. And Masika, I need you to roll a d12 plus your intelligence modifier plus four. Okay, I rolled a five for a 12. So I only get an 11 because my intelligence modifier is a one. Okay. Hey, that's better. That's good. Well, that's not better, but that's a good roll. Oh, yeah. That's almost as good as Hollis Cat. <laughs> so the four of you, six of you, counting uh, the familiars, settle down to work, dig through books, compile things, search, research, so on and so forth. It takes you about eight hours to go through and catalog everything. But fortunately, unlike your previous experiences with delving into the libraries and the the various dark archives and all the rest of that stuff buried underneath Tefu, this is a single room, a disorganized, partly exploded room, but a single room. And, you know, at the very least, you didn't, I don't know, summon an acid pit or something and dump half the books in here into it. Oh, blasphemy. (laughs) I was waiting for that. The information in here is still something that with eight hours of hard, dedicated work, you're all able to go through. You start this early in the day, and by the time that you're finished, you think it's probably approaching close to four or five in the afternoon. It's hard to tell because you've been down here digging through papers by magical light for hours and hours, searching Citra alongside Hollis, going all over all of these notes on these, these magical formula and designs and complex, what mostly seem to be focused around elemental magics. 
that seem to have been researched and formulated. Many of these in Chisisek's hands, this almost scroll that he uses that seems like he's probably writing and judging by the fact that the words dip off as they go down, considering there's not lines going across the paper to keep them straight. It almost seems like he was writing with one hand while possibly taking notes about something else with his other or messing with gears with one hand, judging by the stains on some of these that he seems to have just kind of written in this hasty scrawl over everything. And then second to that is on some of these, you find this fine, this refined hand these hieroglyphs written in a steady, confident hand of someone who's probably classically trained. And Sudi, as you and Masika are looking into the, uh, you don't see it nearly as much when you're looking into the architectural designs and such that you find here. Although every once in a while you see the same handwriting that crops up so much with Hollis's research, a handwriting that you recognize from looking over the shoulder of Hakatep when he showed his notes to Chisisek millennia ago. Wow. It looks like they collaborated on these. Wow. wow. That's interesting. Because, I mean, keeping up with Chisisek has, we've been led to believe that that's quite difficult, so. Uh, yeah. <laughs> interesting. Extrapolating from this, again, it seems like Chisisek had a almost an innate understanding or mastery of not just not mathematics on just a physical level as far as geometry and architecture but mathematics on nearly a metaphysical level as if he somehow understood the math that the complex formulas that govern the movements of the planes and magical existence ooh hakatep's additions to these seem to be almost these revolutionary magical ideas it's almost like someone proposing these borderline insane conjectures. It's almost as if you can see the two people passing their notes back and forth between these as Hakatep proposes complex magical ideals and Chisisek somehow does the math to make them work. Hmm. Huh. You all learn two things of interest from this. The first is from what you can tell in here, the hieroglyphs on the walls, the amount of focus given to it in Chisisek's architectural designs, dozens of different designs for the same same general pyramid. You can tell that Chisisek's greatest achievement was the design and construction of flying pyramids. Plural. What? The greatest of which was a tomb for the sky pharaoh Hakatep I. However, it looks like you see designs here for at least two dozen more. Whoa. In addition to that, interestingly enough, and this is more on the the arcane side of the research, he didn't start this from scratch, the flying pyramid design. You can see complex notes, mostly those in that refined hand, the noble, the trained, experienced hand of Shori aromancy technology. They studied the Shori somehow, or at least Hakatep did. It seems from what you can tell here that there were gaps in their understanding of the Shori Aromancy, gaps that somehow Chisisek managed to fill, almost as if there were just blocks missing out or some things that through a combination of the two of their knowledge of the arcane and the magical theorems behind it managed to piece together to actually figure out how to replicate Shori technology using Osiriani elemental magic wild 
Can I learn any cool aromancy from this? Uh, the complex design of this, while these are their notes, you do not see the finalized design. What you're going to guess? No that they flying probably pyramids used, for us, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Apparently, there's a dozen out there. Well, no. I, most likely, those dozen were used to fight the uh, Shori flying cities. So they, they probably all got, got destroyed. Built. They may not have all gotten built. These are plans. True. True. I take all of these notes and we pack them away and put them in our bag. It's a bulging bag. Hollis is like, I shall be revered in Quantium for posting this. Or for <laughs> publishing this. <laughs> for posting this. I'm literally going to nail it to a post in front of the temple. Say, I'm, I'm <laughs> not Luther sure style. this is something that should be published. Well, we'll see. Who knows? Let's see the outcome first. She is Nethian, so she's probably like, eh, it's knowledge. Yeah, just Citra would probably not be okay with this becoming common knowledge. Yeah, Masika is probably not on the level on the idea that it should be released either. Sudi you know doesn't really plan. know enough to be able to fully understand the ramifications of it. Hollis tells yeah. no one of her plan to publish this. She just puts it in her backpack. <laughs> well, fine. The second thing that I you discover that. here of great interest, it seems that in Chisisek's later years, considerable resources were given to him by Hakatep and were consumed in the construction of a vast system of earthworks claiming the lives of thousands of slaves oh. and incorporating bound elementals to create a mighty weapon that could be used against the Shori. Chisisek seemed to have contributed his expertise to this grand design, taking some pride in the completion of his great work, although every once in a while he does reference the, quote, regrettable sacrifices. Well, at least he acknowledged them. Anyone that wishes to may make me a knowledge geography. I think we've heard of this place before. It's something for Anhok to do. Uh, I rolled a 16. Plus 16 is 32. Here you are, Jess. Huh. Play your handouts. Oh, well, duh, y'all. There's a place called the Slave Trenches of Hakatep. Obviously had to do with Hakatep. I don't know why I didn't connect that before. Anyway, mm -hmm. it's big earthwork. So what exactly it's, is an earthwork? It's when the earth's been kind of... Um, Worked <laughs> so uh, to make the, shapes the, the, the trenches. So they're big old trenches. They can be super deep. They can be super wide. They're very weird. This one specifically, the one of Hakatep, has uh, covers seventeen miles of desert, square miles, not just straight miles. Whoa! So make strange shapes. Dug out the earth to make this weapon, and a bunch of people died. Uh, yeah, but I mean, from the air, if you were to fly above, you could read what the trenches say. And uh, they say in, you know, ancient Osiriani hieroglyphs, um, one big hieroglyph, whatever. It means, let earth call down and bind the sky. That seems like something you put near a weapon that's going to shoot a pyramid out of the sky. Are you telling us you've flown over to this before? Well, I've other, done many things. Other people may have. I mean... Huh. I knew this guy once. He was a sylph. You know what a sylph is? Doesn't matter. He had a flying carpet. We went on a joy ride once. Yeah. It was real fun. <laughs> he sang a song. I will show you the world. <laughs> I wasn't really into it, though, so I left after that. And then all he showed us was this big pile of dirt. It's true. Uh, I will point out that it is, it's been a curiosity that has 
puzzled scholars for millennia, in large part because there's a reference to this Hakatep, which is a pharaoh that no one had ever even heard of before. And in addition to that, it was a symbol carved in the desert that could basically only be seen from the sky, which seemed like a really weird thing to do. I mean, they all think it's purposeful. There's like people that study it I'm- and stuff. I wonder if it's a trigger. Wait, wait, do you think that the, the trench is the weapon? Is there some way to activate this hieroglyph like a magic rune and it blows stuff out of the sky? Oh, kind of like a uh, glyph of warden. Yeah. Huh. That'd be smart. Be interesting. The notes say that this was his, the weapon was his greatest achievement and so many people had to die. Like digging them trenches. Yeah. So I feel like maybe. Claim the lives of thousands of slaves incorporating bound elementals to create a mighty weapon that could be used against the Shori. So it's pretty rude to kill all those people. Anyway, so there are elemental. It has to be the weapon. That has to be it. The elementals bound there. There's probably some sort of way to unleash their power, and that's the weapon itself. It's not something portable. It's out in the freaking desert. Well, in that case, I mean, how would you aim it? I mean, it's all probably has to do with activating the magic. I would imagine it's a giant uh, artifact. In the same way that you aim a magic missile. Mm-hmm. Magic. Uh, Sudi wouldn't make this connection because he doesn't know enough about magic. What if it just takes away the the, the uh, Sky City's ability to levitate? Oh. Because may the, may the earth bound the air means literally just pull it out of the sky. It does bound the air. But yeah. if, if it did do something, like if this was a weapon that would bring things out of the air, wouldn't we see evidence of Shori pieces of their cities in the desert? Yeah, have only but remember once. how when none of us have ever heard of a big war happening? Maybe it never happened. Maybe they did all this for nothing. Or they stopped it. Deterrent. Or they stopped it in the desert, covered up the tracks. Mm. Uh, if pertinent, Hollis is also aware that it is located between the barrier wall mountains and the headwaters of the crook near the Korani Pass. Oh. It was actually placed on a border that they shared, that the Osirians shared with the Shori. Well, that makes sense. If you're going to make a giant weapon to blow crap out of the sky, you'd put it near the border with the people that have the crap in the sky. So maybe it fell on their side instead of this side. And that's why Osirian didn't know anything about it. What if it's just the world's biggest dispel magic scroll? That's kind of how I'm feeling. I mean, we can get over there and, and poke it and stuff. I mean, people have done that, but like now we know what we're looking for. Well, we we have to go find the Lamia and the rest of the cultists and the bee baby. Oh yeah, we got to find them bee babies. I mean, they're for probably sure. they're already probably they're already trying to figure out how to activate the thing. If Wait, I had to but guess, they, how would they even know where to go? They have no idea. They didn't find this room. Did Teddy Sura tell us where the other cultists were going, or just that they left? She didn't know. Teddy Sura told you that they went to her, I believe, her blinded visage. That's right. Oh, right. We had a clue about that. Yeah. Which you interpreted as being the sightless sphinx that you keep hearing about. Uh (sighs) Uh-huh. They're still looking for um, Hakatep's body. Yeah. Is that sightless sphinx in the direction of the trenches? Is it? In essence, from where you are in the parched dune, if you were to try to get to the slave trenches of Hakatep, you're looking at a journey of about 200 miles southwest. So in the opposite directions of the northern parched dunes. The fastest way to get there would just be head back south, pretty much the same way you came to get here to get back to the Crook Mm. River and then follow it to its headwaters and then keep going past that. Mm. But the other place is where? 
You think it's in the northern parts dunes, so north. Yeah, they're looking for Hakatep. It's not here. Well, I guess we're heading north first, because we need to find the bee baby and the others. And deal with the rest of the silver chain. Hmm. I don't Possibly. think they're the silver chain anymore. Well, whatever they are the now. Cult the, the cult of the Forgotten Pharaoh. Yeah, the cult. Uh, it doesn't help that you guys, even if you got there, I mean, people have been researching the slave trenches for millennia. No one knows what any of it does or is used for. But we have notes. Well, you don't have any notes here other than their existence. The notes here only make mention of this. There are no details here pertaining towards how these elementals are bound or how to activate this. I mean, most likely they would have taken all that research and destroyed it so that nobody could replicate it. Just a sec, took it to his grave. If it's powerful enough, you know. Yeah, if you have his body, though, you might be able to ask him. Bingo. Exactly. Uh, so I guess we'll make for the oasis and resupply and then try to find the bee baby. Yep, north. Um, Hollis, can, can I have all those papers, please? How about we split them? Well, my people don't really believe in, in taking things from tombs, and I know we have Tedesur's permission, but Chesasek was one of the Beckon, and I, I just, I, I don't feel comfortable letting it leave the desert. Well, I'm still in the desert. Was Chesasek part of the Beckon? I thought he just, yeah, wandered out there. Well, he was he was part of one of the tribes of the desert uh-huh. out here. The Beckon are one of those tribes, but yeah. multiple tribes. May not, may not have been Beckon, but one of the tribes, yeah. Yeah, Chisisek was Yabira. You don't know what tribe he was a part of, but it may have been the Beckon. I will make a transcription. I have a lot of papers to transcribe. You still have to learn that fancy ritual, too. I know. <laughs> I mean, if you like to I make transcriptions, that, that's all right, but I, I, I'd like if the originals re- remained here with us. Okay, that's fine. I'm going to make a transcription and then I'll give them to you when I'm done. I got to buy some paper when they're in the Oasis. They got paper there? They got paper there. Yeah, we, we have papyrus. Excellent. I'm sure right, there's not so... a spell to duplicate documents. Ooh, there might be. I think there is one that duplicates documents. That'd be great. Yes. Hopefully it's not so temporary. I'd... I'm not sure if it's permanent or not. Definitely going after the, the bee child is, I think, the most important thing. And then hopefully putting this cult to the rest. I don't know what we're going to do in the trenches. Right now. Mm. I mean, we'll see, but I, I agree. We need to finish finding the beat baby and the, the others. I mean, if nothing else is going to tell us whether they figured out that the slave trenches are the place where this weapon is. They didn't find this room. So it's possible is, they don't know yet, which yeah. means we'd finally be ahead of well, them Well, if once. the cult has one of the other pieces of Hakatep that has more of his memories, I mean, they knew he where to find his Chisisek's body. They probably already know what the slave trenches do. I mean, that's possible. that's true. It may be notable to mention this, especially because Masika would know this. They didn't know where to find Chisisek's body. Oh, did, did they didn't? No, they had nope. Onuris' journal. Yeah, they've, they've been searching for forever. Um, and again, that's part of the reason that Kabak basically tried to cozy up to the doorkeepers, is they've been searching for the desert, through the desert for a long time, looking for the body. And again, we we got the implication from Tedesura that like the different parts of Hakatep are like working against himself. He's yeah, they're all they all want to vie for control, basically. Fun times. All right. So anyway, I guess we should sleep because it's late. <laughs> it's four in the I mean, afternoon. We should sleep. Yeah, now. I was gonna oh, say, it's, it's four in the afternoon. It's honestly yeah. not even dinner time. I yet. thought we took eight hours to do that. I don't know. I'm tucking. Yeah, but we started early in the morning. Yeah, you 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 woke up, ate a couple pieces of toast, drank some coffee, and then killed a golem. <laughs> <laughs> Can you kill that which has no life, though? Well, fine. Sure. Then we should ride a little bit, and then we should stop, and I'm going to transcribe a bunch of stuff. 
and work on learning this ritual because I think it might be very helpful. Sudi, I'm starting to think we should have talked to Merit Hetef. Well, if you do the ritual, we can. Well, I know, but I'm just thinking if we had talked to her, that might have been the strategic move. I was just so curious about them catfolk. I mean, I appreciate it, learning more about my heritage. Mm. Heritage is I'm sure important. nothing will come of that. I guess Masika will send her husband ascending, saying, hey, we're finally headed for the merchant oasis. Nothing bad has happened. Everything's cool. We definitely <laughs> didn't almost get ground up by a crazy clockwork golem. Or, or a, a crazy sky or shooty boy. Or desert kraken, or, you know. <laughs> or any of the, like, dozens of things that have tried to kill us nothing, since we left. <laughs> nothing bad ever happened to us. Everything was great. Hassan was definitely not charmed and almost killed us, you know. <laughs> yep. Yeah, he grunts in reply. Nice. <laughs> yep. He's such a wordsmith. Yeah. <laughs> I imagine you probably spent, at the very least, the last of today since you're probably not going to set out with sunset and everything just to go out in the desert and then have to camp again a few mm-hmm. miles away uh, resting up here go and speak with Teddy Sura you make your way down you find Teddy Sura lounging out in front of her the entrance to her cave she nods looking substantially less blinged out without her pectoral still amazing hair yeah I mean we tell her thank you and goodbye and well if we're going to go save the bee baby Goodbye and thanks for all the fish. I ask her what the bee baby looks like. How is she supposed to know? She lived in this desert forever. I did not see her. But what do bee babies look like in general? Are they mostly bee or or mostly human baby? They are guarded preciously. They are a treasure beyond all the gold that the Thryray have. Wait, they have gold? They sell honey. She smiles. Oh, Oh. So they're horrifyingly <laughs> ugly is what I think she's saying. I, I'm showing my 10 intelligence right now. Sudi's <laughs> <laughs> <Sudi's> like, what? <laughs> Hollis looks at all of you and he's like, they're horrifyingly ugly. If they were beautiful, someone would just tell you so straight up. <laughs> she's a she's a sphinx. I don't think she really is going to tell us anything straight up. But they guard them to make sure no one sees them even, which well, means no, they, they must they be Well, no, they are closely guarded because they can't reproduce without them. Have you seen a larva? They got little pincers. Like a grub worm. You seen a grub worm? Little I mean, yeah. pincers. Yeah, but the upper part of them are pretty ladies. So wouldn't but it just bo- be? I don't know. The bottom wouldn't molt. have pincers. Ooh, ooh. No, they're all larvae and then they molt and they start to get their human upper body. Hmm. Why are we discussing this? We're this just going horrifying. to find out when we find it. It's very know, intriguing. It's like a mystery. Is this one of those things you're going to go back to Quantium and publish? No. No, Tony's already studied this. I just didn't read that book. Ish. What do you think the bee baby looks like? (laughs) (laughs) Like a little angel. (laughs) I'm thinking like like cherub. I'm thinking like big chubby cheeks. (laughs) And little little bee wings. Little bee butt. So that's kind of weird for an angel. But (laughs) you are to leave now. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, we, we gotta find the bee baby and uh, bring Chisasek back. She looks past you to lock feline eyes with feline eyes with Sudi. Yep. I believe that you will. She looks off at, vaguely in the direction of the sun. Distantly, you hear the screech of a falcon. Though I have waited in vain before. Aww. May I tell you a story? Ooh, I like sure. stories. The sphinx slides up to her feet, settles down on her haunches. Long ago in this desert, there was a woman. She was born with no mother or father. She was raised by the people who found her. But as she grew, 
she began to see a man. This dark man came out of the desert and told her many great and wonderful and terrible things. This girl died, as all things must eventually die. A jackal came then, a three-eyed jackal, and saw her and took pity. If pity is a word that could be phrased for this creature, for it knew not love, only desire. It consumed the girl's heart, and then soon thereafter left. It traveled to a place of sands that whispered secrets long lost. And in this place, that jackal gave birth. Two children the jackal had, one a lioness, sleek and dark, although not a lioness, more like me. The other, a scorpion, brilliant and golden. The two sisters never agreed, and their mother was a distant beast. The scorpion eventually drove the lion sphinx from her home and into the shadows and the bloody clefts. She cried out in rage and anguish, and the people, descendants of those that once knew the young girl who fell in with a dark man, heard her cries and erected for her a monument. There they planned to aid her in her battle against her foul sister. And yet, as the sun rose one day, it sent down beams of fiery light, and from that monument her self-chosen saviors were burned and excised. And yet, some there managed to dampen the light, to make it fade, and now in the heart of that monument lies only a flicker, a light pale but still brilliant, burning in the heart of darkness. That is what you will find. She lays down and folds her paws in front of her. Did that make sense to anybody? Citra just blinks. A little bit. That makes no sense at all. I think that jackal was Lamash too? Exactly. And the, cre- the creatures created one was the sphinx and one was those scorpion things that live out in the desert that are very aggressive. Anyone that wishes to may make a knowledge the plains or knowledge religion. The plains it is. Religion it is. One of those. I roll a 16 for a 35. I roll a 17 for a 22 religion. I did planes. Masika rolls a two for a 13 on religion. Nice. Nice. <laughs> Citra just waits on someone smarter in the group to tell her what that meant. Only Hollis succeeds. I think it's Aww. Sekhmet. I don't think it's actually a sphinx. Oh, really? I don't That'd know, That'd be man. weird. That's different pantheons. I don't know. <laughs> uh, you can extrapolate from this, I'd say, seven things. Cool. Wow, that's a lot. In order in which they appeared, the girl, you have no idea what that could possibly mean. Uh, the second one, there is only one figure known in Osirian as the Dark Man. That is the Black Pharaoh. The Whoa. god Narlathotep. Oh, crap. Narlathotep? A three-eyed jackal is only ever a reference to Lamashtu. So, had that hands down. Lamashtu has many, many daughters. Amongst them are a pair of sisters known as Areshkigal, sometimes referred to as the Lord of Greed or the Faceless Sphinx. The other, known as Aldinarch, sometimes known as She of the Six Venoms or the Lord of Scorpions. From what you understand, both of them grew up in a realm of the abyss known as the Sea of Whispering Sands, although eventually the two siblings fought and the Lord of Sphinx was driven off into a region known as the Blood Clefts. 
There she plots her vengeance against her sister to return. But what does this have to do with we're working on? We're gonna have to go find the sightless sphinx. The sightless sphinx would be the sister. Oh, okay, so we gotta go find I hope we're not going into the abyss after her. If it helps, Ereshkigal's form is a faceless six-legged female sphinx whose midnight blue fur is sparse enough that her pale ashen skin can be seen through it. Spiffy. She also has dragon wings from her shoulders, and her tail is the front half of a viper with a viper's head for the end of her tail. Uh, Also, her mouth, the viper's mouth, speaks riddles. Of course it does. So we'd have to go into the abyss after it if it was literal, but I think it's allegorical or metaphorical. I'm not sure which. A, that story is full of worry and things, but B, the dark man would be Nilathotep, and we certainly don't want to have to deal with him. We're already dealing with one bad pharaoh. A cold breeze traces through the valley. Why did you say the word? I don't <laughs> like to ascribe fear to names. It's not like the Yellow oh, King. Gracious. Just, <laughs> yeah, just say Hoster three times and we'll certainly this real say. quick. <laughs> I mean, would we? Is that that is that common knowledge? Like who that guy or who Narlathotep is? Uh, no. Narlathotep, <laughs> Narlathotep being one of them would like Sudi. Assuming that you made that knowledge religion check to know any of this. Sudi wouldn't recognize Narlathotep's name. It's a DC 25 to recognize the okay. names yeah. of the... <laughs> well, Hollis coach. doesn't know what It's y'all really know. obscure, like, almost borderline, like, insanity driving technology. You haven't studied stuff. the planes in depth? So who is Narlathotep? That breeze is growing stronger. That guy is... He's like the Black Pharaoh. He's also called the Black Pharaoh. He's, uh, he's an elder god. Uh, mostly, I thought, lurked in the the darkness of space, but I mean, they call him the Black Pharaoh, so I guess he does have to be tied to Assyrian somehow. As an interesting side note, one of Narlathotep's other names is also the face, the Faceless Sphinx. He's also Ooh. known the, as the Faceless Sphinx, so... That's a weird coincidence. He's a bad guy. He's like a, a cosmically bad guy. And then Lamashtu's the Jackal, and then she had children. One of them was like a, a greedy lady, the Sphinx Lady. Also a faceless sphinx. Yes, a Rashkagal. And then the sister would be that the scorpion lady who's uh, Aldenach. And they fought and whatnot, but they fought in the abyss, so it's got to all be metaphorical. Although this pillar with the light inside, I don't know what that's supposed to be. Hope? I don't know if you want to have hope for somebody who's all about guilt. Uh, yeah, a light in the darkness was how it was kind of described. A lot in the darkness. It makes me think of Sudi's ancestors in the raw box. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Yeah, a little bit, yeah. Oh, and then the sun thing was probably Serenray on account of Serenray often gets in, involved in big cosmic things, especially with Lamash 2 and whatnot. So does this story help us find what we're looking for? We're going to the know. faceless Sphinx. And even though it's bad, there's going to be a light in the darkness there. Well, a lot of people died to get that light in the darkness. So it might be a warning. I mean, are we taking it too literally? I don't know, man. Wait, are you thinking the light in the darkness is the weapon? No, no that's over. No, 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 no. I'm just saying that there's hope, even though it's dangerous or something. I don't know. I'm not good with allegory. Yeah, I mean, maybe. But, I mean, it's weird because the main... what's The character that seems to be the main character is like a representation of all that is bad and greedy. Like the hmm. cult? Yeah. But the light in the darkness is, is like, helpful to her maybe in the it's, story. 
Is it, though? Didn't you just say that the sunbeams and what was left of the light in the monument are what killed all of her followers? No, no, the followers died to make the light stop. So all that's left is a tiny... Okay, yeah, I guess it was bad. I don't know, man. We're gonna find what we find. <laughs> the Sphinx nods. One does not need direction to the Viper's Den, but one should be aware that there are Vipers there. Okay. So, sorry, it's a warning. Oh, okay. Cosmic badness awaits. All right. Or at least extraplanar badness. If not Lathotep's involved, yes. Well, that's not good. Look, I only have the energy to deal with one crazy evil <laughs> pharaoh at a time. So, uh, yeah. Well. It's, it's okay, Mashika. I'll take the other one. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> if only there were another party in the desert. It's time to activate the B team. Uh, what, with Segura and the son of the Viper? <laughs> time to activate the, the faded team. <laughs> the snakelet and the ladies. It's time to wait for the one day that it's overcast in the desert so that we can shoot the Segura panther beam up into the sky. <laughs> <laughs> Call the B team. Yes. Team all Panther, their st- go! All their stuff <laughs> happened months ago, though. Hey, they're out here doing something. We don't know where they are. Yeah, yeah. that's true. We have no they idea where they are. They might be in the Merchant's Oasis. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. We just yeah, have to just show up there. <laughs> Keep in mind that while wandering the desert, if if they were more than 12 miles away, you could have just missed them and only be 12 miles apart. I know. So, yeah. That's fair. Yep. Um, yeah. The Sphinx yeah. slides up to her feet. I eagerly await his return. That we will do. Mm-hmm. Figure Citra gives a, a, a bow to Tedesura. Hopefully we will see you again on better circumstances. She nods, looks to Sudi. And in her native tongue, of which I don't know if anyone else here speaks Sphinx. Nope. Oh, it's just me. (laughs) Look Sudi in the eye. Sudi, do not blame yourself for what will happen. She turns and makes her way back into her cave. He responds also in Sphinx. Wait, what's that supposed to mean? (laughs) (laughs) That sounds like a dire warning. Any more details than that? Oh, he seems upset. Uh Uh-oh. He he switches back to uh, Osiriani. Oh, that's great. She just gave me a very dire warning. Well, I mean, what did she, she just say? gave us all one. She said, don't blame myself for what's about to happen. Oh, and that's And I don't know bad. what's about to happen. She's not a future teller. I don't know if she is or not, but that's a very, very concerning thing to say to somebody. I mean, doesn't she follow Horus? Horus is a lot, has a lot of divination magic. But she says not to blame myself. But how? What, what? I don't even know what it is. Now this is going to bother me for like the rest of a long time. Until something really bad happens and you blame yourself even though she told you not to? Probably, but it feels like it's going to be a self-fulfilling prophecy at that point, but... I could get a scroll and remove it from your memory so you don't no, have to think No, no, we're not it. doing that. I want to remember this. <laughs> I mean, I'd be bad at doing that because I'm pretty sure that's a school of magic that I'm not very good at on account of I don't t- typically think it's good, but... Uh... <laughs> on account of you barred it when you made Alice. <laughs> so sorry, sorry, Sudi, I can't erase that from your memory, but I could make you relive it again. Let's go back into your memory a couple seconds. <laughs> <laughs> See if there's any subtle things. All clues. right, well, after the scary, ominous story, and now there's another evil pharaoh awesome and the dire warning about death or something horrible happened that Sudi should not blame himself for let's leave it's weird because there was a lady and the lady's heart gave birth to the sisters maybe the lady's important the lady's a person well she was a person until the match to ate her heart like a corrupted person my friend is a corrupted person could my friend's heart oh 
Oh, wait. Hakatep's heart has perhaps given birth to corrupted things. Fine one. Are you going really deep into this? Aren't you? I'm going to think about. What did you say? I'm going to think about this uh, for a, a long time. What? How did you phrase that? I liked it very much, but I can't remember. Roll back the tape. Play it again. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, are, are we going? Yes, we I are mean, going. Well, yeah, I'm just going to continue thinking about this puzzle for a long time. Because perhaps the woman is Hakatep. Hakatep's not a lady. Well, it's metaphorical. Perhaps she was seduced by darkness, which Narlathotep would be a weird thing to seduce them because, like, where's he been in this whole story we've been weaving? Is anybody else feeling that chill around here? It suddenly got very cold. <laughs> oh, I guess. <laughs> Masika looks at Sisra like we're all doomed. <laughs> He's got other names. He's the Crawling Chaos, the face, Faceless Sphinx, the Haunter of the Dark. He suddenly got a lot more complicated. I think she's just messing well, with us. Well, I wouldn't worry about the Black Pharaoh because I'm sure he existed well before anything recent. <laughs> I wouldn't worry about the Black Pharaoh. Another group of adventurers <laughs> is dealing with that. Let's <laughs> leave that to the B team. <laughs> oh... All right, this is super metagame knowledge, so Sudi wouldn't be aware of this. I'm wondering if her thing of don't blame yourself for blah, 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 is this genie coming after him? <laughs> That'd be funny. That would, like, don't blame yourself for that. Don't and blame it's yourself, like, Sudi. Uh, it's Sagira's fault. <laughs> <laughs> and that's, that's the subtle way to be like, it's not your fault this genie's coming after you, so don't feel bad about it. Well. Sins of the father. Sins of the friend. <laughs> Sin, sins of being Ray, nice to genies. Oh, and then Serenray came, and Serenray was worshipped heavily by the Kadirans, and Osirian fell under Kadiran control, and therefore that could have been like the, the fire raining down upon the sisters, if the sisters are each or are Osirian somehow. And then the light was stopped, so they weren't completely destroyed, and Osirian has rebuilt. And I think Teddy Soda broke Hollis. She's I think doing so this too. like while we're traveling and nobody's oh, yeah, really for sure. listening. Oh no, she's like mad <laughs> rambling at this point, like if trying I had to unravel it. String, I was. <laughs> <laughs> Now, this is one of the deep riddles we're going to be spending weeks unraveling. I, I'm rambling into the ca- into the microphone so that somebody in future can look back at this moment and be like, wow, Jessica is super smart or uh-huh. way off base. See, I just imagine it more like this. Buck, 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 Because really, you're talking to Sugar this whole time. <laughs> no, nah, Sugar doesn't care about this kind of stuff. This isn't like. I was going to say, that's not court drama. gossip. Yeah. Uh, excuse me. I would like to say that I care very much about this weird jackal, lion, woman, scorpion, family feud dynamic. It seems like they're about to throw some wine in one another's faces. (laughs) Well, she's talking about that part. I'm talking about the metaphysical. Uh, I don't care about the eating the heart thing. That thing was gross. I'm more interested in why these people don't have family counseling. (laughs) I don't think it had been invented yet. I'm certain that the Church of Shalin, Shalin herself probably invented that first. She has a lot of family problems. Yeah, yeah, she does. That's fair. I was going to say, the or, the original cup, uh, family counseling, like, people... It didn't go well the first time. Oh, no, it definitely didn't go well. The many time that you session. have your brother and he goes off and then he comes back and he's all spiky and angsty and then he kills your kills father. Kills your dad. Anyway. <laughs> then he raised your dad as some sort of crazy thing. I still love him. I still love him, even though he's a monster. And then I stole his halberd. Because he needed to stop it. <laughs> it's Tough basically love. the equivalent of like hiding his bong. 
<laughs> oh god, I, I would totally watch a series of the gods just like conversing about their lives. Yeah. In yeah, such a some, fashion, somebody go out there and draw the uh, the Pathfinder like the Core Twenty, but it's you know like a high school teen drama or something. <laughs> Gordon's over it. there getting ripped in the school gym, and <laughs> anyway, does Lamash do come up in Osirian like Pantheon stuff often? No, not that I, not really. Not from a Pantheon perspective, but she is the mother of monsters, so she created a lot of different like. Well, you know how a lot of the Egyptian or the Osirian deities have, like, animal heads and stuff? Like, is there a connection there? I, I think Tedisura broke Jess, too. What do you get taking 10 on knowledge religion? 25. Yeah, there's not a huge connection. I mean, you know that Lamastu isn't the mother of any of the Osirian gods or anything like that. The exact age of Lamastu is debatable, bearing in mind that she was a demon prince before she became a goddess. However, Lamashtu has been known to have connections or a relationship with a number of the different Osirian, the darker Osirian deities, like she and Set have been allied. But other than the fact mm. that she's responsible for a wide variety of the creatures that sometimes threaten both evil and then sometimes not evil in the surrounding region, Lamashtu has had an impact on Osirian history, not as much as Rovagug. Obviously, with mm. the you know the spawn of Rovagug and the rough beast, as far as uh, Ulnot the festering and what is it, Zoltani the fire bleeder. Mm-hmm. But the only thing I'd really say that kind of stands out is Lamashtu is commonly worshipped by gnolls. Yeah, I knew that. And mm. gnoll slavers have been a long issue in much of Osirian. Uh, in fact, I believe there's a whole cult of gnolls located somewhere near one of the cities. But I suppose all of you set off. Indeed. Making your way directly, I believe you're heading to the Merchant's Oasis, yes? Yep, we are. Making your way directly to the Merchant's Oasis, you travel almost due east. Fortunately, between Masika's ability to navigate in the desert as well as on Hawk's ability to guide you, although again, much of the desert has changed since his time here, you manage to make very good time. Uh, in fact, since all of you are still mounted, you can reach the Merchant's Oasis in only four days. The traveling is thankfully peaceful. You set off, you leave these rocky areas where the tomb of Chisisek had laid buried and undisturbed for over 6,000 years, guarded by the guardian of the parched dunes until, technically until the doorkeepers found out where it was and then the cult found out through them. It's a whole thing. And after 6,000 years of uninterrupted rest, his body's been stolen away. Okay, thank you for laying on the guilt. Yep. Like, we already didn't feel bad <laughs> enough. You also pass back through the Death Valley of the uh, Kraken. I imagine you don't decide to take a round two with him. No, no. we Particularly. avoid the, the Kraken. Yeah, It's been enough time he's regained all of his limbs. So he's ready. <laughs> you the would Sarlacc not any, can stay. You would not get any experience. Uh, it also left a nice sign so that you know exactly where he is. Mm-hmm. You continue making your way past that. Eventually, you crest the desert some distance away, and further away, it's this. You pass over onto the peak of one of the dunes, and in the far horizon, you can just see this line of blue and green. And you dip back down, you crest back up in the distance. It's just a little closer and over and over to the point that you feel like it's just steadily every time that you crest the rise, it's just fractionally closer until one time you just reach the top of the rise and find that the desert trails away. And the merchant's oasis is not small. 
In fact, Oasis is almost a misnomer for what can really account for almost a small lake. One of the very few sources of water in the desert that it would take you. Well, again, if you weren't capable of creating water, you would have died of thirst before you could have made it from Chisisek's tomb to this oasis. Even on Camelback. Yeah, you would have came close. You could survive about three days without water, depending on your constitution score. Here, there is a beautiful green grass, tall palms, and this beautiful oasis. This pure crystalline water with the sun reflecting off of its surface, looking like a thousand diamonds ahead of you. Camels crowd around the edge of this, lapping up at the edge of the water. Camps of dozens of tents, far more than you saw at just the Bakken's, line the surrounding tree line. Here and there, you see a number of, of tents, yurts, that seem almost like pavilions. It seems initially somewhat odd in comparison as some of the tops of these tents reach to the tops of the palm trees until you see the first of the desert giants that stride out from inside of these massive tents and make their way towards the water edge, gently shooing camels out of their way. Fun. As you approach closer, you can see that children splash and play in the water. People are talking amongst themselves, various, you're going to guess, different tribes, different people of the the desert nomads that live out here gathered together. The air is vibrant. And after your time in the desert, it is almost almost rattling, the sound here. After having nothing but wind and one another's voices to keep yourselves company for weeks, just come back here and then suddenly people and places and children laughing and music playing coming from tents and the smell of fresh cooked food and trade and haggling and excitement mixed among these you can see a number of wagons circled around off towards their side the bright white coverings flapping gently in the breeze and then the assorted number of people still a majority of them osiriani making their way around speaking with the others. Distantly, you hear the barking sound of dogs, which you can only assume means that Falto and his caravan are here. Masika is going to start looking for her tribe. Yeah, I figure Citra will go look for Falto. Sudi pulls out the abacus and starts selling all this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Because somebody's got to do it. Send it with a guy with no appraise. Hollis will go with you, but she's mostly mumbling about hearts and jackals and deserts. (laughs) It's been four days. (laughs) I have, I'm working on a theory. So. (laughs) What if she ate the heart? Because, right, she took pity. The jackal took pity on the girl and ate the heart. starts to ride away. (laughs) What if she ate the heart so that the girl wouldn't be judged in the afterlife by Anubis because they weigh the heart, right? So that's the pity she took. Hollis. But that gave birth to this other evil stuff. So who was this girl? Hollis, how much do you think this stuff would be worth? Mm, I don't know, like 100 gold. I don't know. How much is it worth? 790. (laughs) 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 I'm not getting good help here, guys. Like 790 gold. I don't know. The next day you go into Hollis's tent and everything else, and it's just a whole bunch of string tied across (laughs) the entire thing. It's definitely going to be that way. She just turns around. She spent all of her gold on string. It's all connected. (laughs) (laughs) I figured out the death of Aradin. Anyway. <laughs> it's all connected. He's a woman. He's a woman. <laughs> He's a woman. 
Oh, That's actually, <laughs> except for that, that timing's all wrong, but yeah. The first you pass by are the tents of the giants. A few of them give all of you, you know, nods, curt glances. You don't see Hassan here. However, you don't know how long it would have taken him to collect his, his fallen brother and sister and made their way, made his way. Although, again, he is much faster than any of you or even your camels across the desert, burdened down by two bodies you don't know, hmm. or if he simply took the time to administer the rites there. The next you pass would be Falto's caravan, of which you'd see, you know, a number of halflings sitting on the back of a caravan. They wade towards all of you as you make your way past. Marin in the process of cutting off, you know, pieces of fresh cooked meat and making the dogs do like walk on their back legs and do handstands and spin around and roll over and all the rest of that to get little meat chunks. <laughs> oh, Kelru, that's who I'll talk to. Hollis yeah. wanders off to find Kelru. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it wouldn't be difficult to find both Kelru, Azaz, as well as Falto, as all of them are sitting around enjoying a drink and seemingly conversing in quick tones. Interestingly enough, leaning over and looking at some sort of small statue. As you approach closer, the uh, the head of the caravan, Falto, hops up towards his feet, still wearing his desert garb that everyone bought for him, as opposed to <laughs> what he was originally wearing when he came out here. He gives Citra a, you know, a winning smile, his beard starting to come in a little bit more fully since he hasn't been shaving since he's gotten out to the desert. I'm assuming Citra just runs and jumps on him, so. Yep. So now he's looking more like a Captain America from uh, Infinity Infinity War. Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm digging that. <laughs> <laughs> Rachie like Civil War. Wasn't it Civil War when he had the beard? No. No, no. No, no. no it was uh, it was, it was uh, Infinity, Infinity War. War. It was and then Infinity after War. Okay. after Infinity War, he shaved it off in Endgame. So. I don't know why. Okay, okay. He might go back Rude. to Endgame Captain America, but right now it's Chris Evans Infinity War. Ooh, what's that? It's a beard. Hollis points at the thing. Oh, sorry. Oh, not the beard. I've seen them. I'm talking about this thing that y'all are talking about. But no, as Citra runs forward, he runs up towards her, scoops her up, probably does a quick spinner around thing. Yeah. All right. I'll see y'all later. Masika keeps going. Ah. Uncomfortably intimate no kiss for everyone else there. no one's going to help me sell this loot. Hollis kind of rolls her eyes and sits down next to Kelru. You can sell the loot between games. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll help you, shooty. But first, I got to go and do this thing because... Uh, uh, wait, no, she's probably going to want to go and see her husband. I'll help you, shooty. All of that notwithstanding, but Falto smiles, settles Citra down, looks back towards Sudi, looks back down towards Citra. His smile falters slightly. Is it done? Oh, um, no. Yes. Well, yes well, and no. I mean, uh, I, I was I was meaning the vengeance thing. Oh, yeah. Yes. Ah, oh, well. I'm very glad to see both of you alive. I think Masika just wandered off, but uh, I'm glad to see both the two of you alive. Do we have the, the jar of, of ashes Sorry. to give to Kelru? Yeah, I was like, what? <laughs> oh, yeah, but I'm not going to give them to Kelru. We're going to deliver them back ourselves, remember? Oh, okay. That, that's fine. He's with the caravan. We can literally do that anytime that's we true. want. We have teleportation. I'm not allowed back in the city. Yeah, neither am I. Just go right to, right to the Hacha's office and just like plop this down and be like, sorry to bother you and just teleport back out. <laughs> just go to the front gate, give it to the guard and be like, for the Hacha, from the doorkeepers. Bye. No, she's, she <laughs> said if we got permission, we could come in on like temporary basis. All right. We'll send her a letter. So, yeah, that's what I'll do. I'll send, send her, send her a, letter. a sending. I don't have sending. Instantaneous feedback. Anyway, what's this Masika here? Masika can't I send I point at the little either. statue thing. Oh, so I talked to one of the people here. And you should be amazed what they have to sell in this place. And these people are so nice. Oh, my. Anyway. Okay. So if, I have a take, if I take a 10 and get a 20 on this, is this actually worth something or did he get fleeced? 
it looks old. It doesn't look particularly valuable. Hmm. Kelleru gives a you know a smile and shakes his head. <laughs> Don't worry, friends. I made certain that he was not taken advantage of. Oh, good. <laughs> Azaz and I have been helping Falta in his preparations. Are you any closer to finding the Fane? He smiles, holding out the statue. What appears to be a statue of a seated woman uh, staring ahead with the head of a cat. Oh. But it appears to be made of some sort of black stone, not native to this region. So I talked to an explorer, and apparently he said that he was traveling through some town nearby, further to the northeast, past the mountains. He points up towards the distant northeast, northeast. And he said that some strangers came through and sold off some stuff that they found in a an abandoned site somewhere. And cat statue. <laughs> so I figure, uh, from what I can understand, this... Oh, well, I wish Sakira was here. She knew a lot about Bass. You guys, is this right? Or is this the other lion god? You mean Bass uh, with a 25, yes. do I know that this is Sekhmet? Uh, this is a depiction of Sekhmet. Uh, that's Sekhmet, the other one. Okay, which one oh, of the wow. cat gods am I looking for? <laughs> friend, Sekhmet friend. Ah. Okay. This so, is the one that Sudi's attached to. So, yeah, from what I understand, this might be the Black Fane that I'm looking for. They didn't give any details, but the merchant said that it was somewhere again in the the shadow of the Pillars of the Sun. So that's what I'm looking at. The Pillars of the Sun, the light from the sun, Serenre in the pillar. I would call that a Pillar of Sun. Hmm. Hollis, Hollis, I think gives maybe a you, should, stare. Uh, you should step away from this for a little bit and then clear your mind and then come back No, I've got to tell the story to my fellow Nethians at least because... They, I'm sure, appreciate a good riddle when they hear one. Maybe you should write it down. Hollis will wait till everybody's gone, and then she'll tell the whole story to Keller and Azaz and see what they make of it. But she'll hold off for now since we're having a conversation about something else. No, anyway, that's my big plan. What about you guys? Do you find oh, uh, north too. what you're looking for? Uh, yes and no. The bee baby? We, we didn't find the bee baby yet. Ah, um, okay. We did find um, an old friend. I don't know how much we well, want to say in front of like other people about what happened in the desert. So we found some good information. We found uh, a sphinx, which was where I got this story from. That's currently driving me slowly insane. And we're heading north, too. You might have already been insane, but more so. Yes. <laughs> eccentric, not insane. Wizards are eccentric. All right. So are, are we all going the same direction now? That'd be convenient. Uh, so. I don't know. I was just told that I needed to go north until I saw the Garden of Symmetry and then further past that. Hmm. Do I know about the Garden of Symmetry? Uh, you can make an old local. Okay. Call in sugar reinforcements. I rolled a 13, so I get a 23. That is a net one for 16. Oh. Aww. <laughs> hey, at least you're singing your net ones now, too. It's catching on. <laughs> well, you know, I had to balance it out since I rolled so well earlier. It just makes sense that I get a net yeah. one yep. <laughs> The universe has been righted. <laughs> you had heard rumors of a place referred to as the Garden of Symmetry. From what you understand, it kind of, it's sort of cropping up not exceptionally long ago. 
it's not an old archaeological site so much as someone or something out in the desert seems to have been collecting large well-polished rocks and then making them in, or setting them up in symmetrical rows out in Narmer? the parks <laughs> it's Narmer's work that's, that's what he does when you're asleep Masika <laughs> Whomever this is seems to have taken the time, one, to polish the rocks, two, to dig them up, as many of these are buried deep beneath the sand, that they seem to be digging out these large, for lack of a better term, naturally occurring obelisks and setting them up in symmetrical rows out in the desert for no seeming reason. I'm set, I'm betting it has something to do with Narlathotep. Yep. I'm going to call too. it. Huh. I mean, I've heard of that place. It's weird. Anyway, past that, from what I understand, will take me to the Pillars of the Sun. So that's my direction. What about you? Uh, what's our direction? We are headed really for remember. the Sightless Sphinx. To the north. Just north? Uh, all no, we know north. is north at the moment, but any details beyond that, we're at the loss. What if the Sightless Sphinx is where these pillars of the sun are because of the story? I mean, it's possible. Do we know if they're connected? Nope, no idea. Just uh, just extrapolating. All right. So Paul's over here trying to pull a chis a sec and figure out the math behind how this is all related. Either way, it seems like we're both going north. (laughs) All right. Well, yeah, Uh, we're planning on setting out. We're probably going to rest here for a couple of days, recuperate and all the rest of that. You know, we've been pushing the camels pretty hard and maybe try and buy and sell some stuff. I've got a there's some local shamans that offered to enchant my weapon. So I've got them working on that right now. So that's going to be a couple of days at least. I'm sure we'll do something similar. Yeah, you know, I wouldn't mind if uh, we all stuck around together for a little bit. Maybe we can set off north together. I think that'd be safer, too. Sure, I there is the safety wagon. in numbers. Uh, but yeah, you should probably also let the, you know, the Beckon know that you're here as well. Although I guess that's probably what Masika went to go do. Yeah, I'm sure mm-hmm. we'll make an appearance over there in a little bit. But I figured she would want to say hi to her family and, and friends first. So, Masika, I imagine you go find your husband... Yeah. Nothing much has happened. <laughs> He's just like, oh, you're back. Cool. <laughs> I imagine all of you rest up that evening. Have fun. Relax. The uh, you know, bongo, whatever music it is from um, the Ewoks begins playing in the background. As all of you have your big <laughs> celebration of your victory. <laughs> I'm going to guess it's the halflings are playing that because they're tiny little hairy people. Oh, my God. <laughs> that is so mean. That's I love halflings. Mean, Don't get me wrong. Halflings are my though. favorite. That's true. They just got really furry feet. All of you get together. Masika comes back with her husband. You sit around the fire. There's like, you know, cute Masika trying to like feed her husband stuff and him being all gruff. And the halflings are playing with dogs. They're running around the fire. And so Falto trying and to Citra. teach Falto how to dance. Yeah. Yeah. Citra's doing like the whole, you know, twirly, you know, dance that you do with the skirts and all the rest of that. In the meantime, like Falto's every once in a while, like grabbing you and doing like a, a steady Taldane waltz that he learned. <laughs> um Yep, going on in the background. Hollis is just sitting there in the background with like sand drawings all around her <laughs> trying to explain to like some random child why this all makes sense. <laughs> so he just surreptitiously reappears and just drops like sacks of platinum and gold at everybody's feet and then yep. just disappears into the night. Narmer keeps running up to like Hollis with more rocks for her like display so that she can label individual rocks for another one of the players in this mad plan. And I'm going to wrap this up with two things 
First off, and I made a note to myself. Uh-oh. Way, way back when. This is either really good or really scary, and I don't know which. It depends on when he wrote it down. I know. Sakira and the others walk past in the background, and we don't even notice. <laughs> that would be hilarious. <laughs> yep. So this is episode 118, 117? 117. 117. 117. So I made a note to myself 71 episodes ago that I would do this at the end of book three. Sudi, after months of compensating and training, you may choose, having adapted to have lose, losing your eye, to remove the ranged penalty or perception penalty, your choice. Perception penalty no more! <laughs> Sudi, having adjusted... <laughs> As he's compensating, he's, he's steadily gotten used to, to adjusting <laughs> to this, learning to overcome this hardship and become a stronger, better warrior for it. Yay! Okay. Yay! Yay! Also, that means this is the end of book three. Also this. This is officially the end of book three. Oh wow. my God, We will start. Finally. Book four, Secrets of the Sphinx. Next time. <sighs> we already have enough secrets from the Sphinx. Gosh darn it. There are more secrets. Oh, it's nothing more but secrets. riddles. Find the Path Ventures is an officially licensed partner of Paizo Incorporated. Mummy's Mask is copyright 2014. Mummy's Mask and the Pathfinder Adventure Paths are trademarks of Paizo. All Pathfinder images are property of Paizo and are used with permission.